0: We continue our journey through our stories, Bible stories, this morning, and this morning we're going to be having a look at the story of allowing the little children, or permitting the children, or letting the children. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. The kingdom is being preached, and his disciples seem to be getting excited about what's coming next they thinking he's going to establish his messianic kingdom. They're still thinking that. Even though time and time again he's told them he's going to suffer and he's going to die. But they just haven't got the memo. People, though, seem to be messing up their little plan. Their little plan to follow him to Jerusalem, perhaps take some of the glory themselves because they now his inner circle, they're his disciples. But people keep messing this plan up. They keep bringing these little children and these babies that they want Jesus to bless. Now if there's something that's exactly the opposite of status and power, it's little children. And for the disciples, clearly Christ's mission does not include little children. They couldn't be bothered with them. So let's read the story from Mark chapter 10, verse 13. You'll also find the same story with very similar details in Matthew 19 and Luke 18. You can follow on the screen if you like. I'm reading from the New International Version. People were bringing little children. Now, Luke's gospel says people were bringing babies. Specifically says babies. So we imagine these little children to be toddlers or babies. Okay, They're small children. People were bringing these little children or babies to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let or permit or allow the little children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the little children in his arms, must have been little children, not teenagers here, little children, in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, as always, I pray that your spirit would be the teacher and that we would come to understand what you would have us know from your precious, infallible, enduring, perfect word. May we come to an understanding of what you would say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, for those of you who are theologians this morning, I don't mean to offend you, but for me this passage has perhaps become one of the most important in the Bible when it comes to understanding the mercy and the grace of God. We know that the scriptures teach us that we are sinful from born from birth. We are conceived in sin and that our flesh is stained from the beginning with this Adamic disease. But here Christ towards little children applies grace and mercy unconditionally. The kingdom of heaven he says to his disciples belong to such as these. Not you disciples not the adults who are clambering around the kingdom of heaven belongs to these. So if you've ever wondered about where babies and young children go when they die, or murdered in the case of abortion, listen to what Jesus says once and for all. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There will not be a single toddler or baby in hell even if that toddler or baby is born from the Satan high priest's girlfriend, (laughs) there will not be a single toddler or baby in hell because Jesus has pronounced the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now you need to know this is not a passage to justify infant baptism. Infant baptism, unfortunately, for those who believe in it, is just never found anywhere in the Bible. And if there was ever a time Jesus was ever going to say that infant baptism is what he wanted to have done, it would have been now. He would have said something like, let the children come to me and I'll baptize them. (laughs) Like somebody once said to me. We were having a debate about baptism. And this person said, the Bible says, Jesus said, bring the little children to me and I'll baptize them. And I said, you go and find that scripture and bring it to me and I'm in your camp. Well, they disappeared and they never came back on the same argument. So he doesn't do that. This is not a passage to justify us doing something that Jesus has not commanded. We find these people bringing these babies and these children. We find these grumpy disciples rebuking them. We see them viewing these children perhaps as a disruption to the king's work or an inconvenience or perhaps even an interference to their private or political agenda. They clearly believed incorrectly that the kingdom was only For those who had something to contribute. Children, you see, especially little children, have nothing actively to contribute in building a kingdom. They need. They consume. But that's not how Jesus sees them. So we find these disciples rebuking the parents for trying to distract Jesus from important work. And Jesus puts this in perspective by making it very clear that the mission of the gospel absolutely includes children. Children are not a distraction. Rather, they are essential benefactors of his mission. And if they were of priority importance to Jesus, children should be of priority importance to us. For those of you whose children are older, your grandchildren have now become priority importance to you. So I'm going to ask three questions this morning, and I'm going to ask in whose camp you are. The first lesson that I draw out of the passage is that of disparaging disciples and desperate parents. And I want to know from you this morning. Are you perhaps a disparaging disciple? Or are you a desperate parent? These parents obviously had an intense sense of urgency for their children to encounter Jesus. They needed to get their little children to the miracle worker to have him touch them. We need to know that in those days, in a Poor Judean countryside, nearly 50% of all children did not make their bar mitzvahs. They didn't get to 12 years of age. Half of all children didn't get through early childhood. So obviously these parents who loved their children, who desired their children to grow into adulthood, had heard the stories about Jesus. And if they could just get their children to Jesus to touch them, maybe their kids would get to adulthood. They didn't bring their children to the disciples, who clearly thought them to be a problem. They didn't want the disciples. They wanted Jesus. Now in life we find that these disparaging disciples are unfortunately often around. Let me tell you, they're often in church. The previous church that Rose and I were in when we were still both teaching, I got scared and ran away from teaching. I don't know how you teachers do it. I don't know how you're still there can't do it. I didn't do that. The Lord called me, so it's different. Just understand that you need to pray today for teachers. But I remember sitting in church with my wife with my newborn baby. And some of you are going to know exactly who I'm talking about, so I don't want you to think badly about this person. But there was a little old spinster duck who sat in the very front row in the corner of the choir bench. Some of you are already smiling at me. Who time anybody sneezed or coughed, she would glare at you, frown intensely, and shake her head. You had displeased her. So we were sitting there with my newborn baby. I'm trying to be the best believer I can, and I took my baby to church. And anytime Allison was my firstborn, she would make a moon or anything – You'd hear this hen clucking in the pie choir cube. She'd do something like and then she'd glare and shake her head, very displeased. She was a spinster and I often thought while I was there you need a rooster. That'll take <laughs> that'll take care of it. The one day I grabbed my daughter because I'd had enough clucks from this disparaging disciple. And I took my daughter out. And as I walked out the door of that church, my daughter just erupted in a blood coloring scream that I didn't know what to do. And Rose came running out to help me calm this child down. And we discovered I'd taken this child and scraped her head open against... (laughs) Against the the face brick, and these face bricks with things sticking out. So, this poor child had a face with blood pouring out because this hen on the. (laughs) who had sat there for 50 or 60 years already was clucking away. (laughs) I'm not passing judgment, but I wonder how many disciples are going to stand before the Lord one day. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't I sing in the choir for 50 years? Lord, Lord, didn't I serve in the soup kitchen for 20 years? Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? And they're going to hear those desperately, desperately sad words. Depart from me. I never knew you. This isn't taking it too far. When we think about what Jesus said for those who cause one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. He didn't speak kindly about them. Friends, we don't need disparaging disciples in the church. We need desperate parents. Our society is growing darker and darker by the day. What your child can access on their cell phone the gender issues that they're facing, the bullying at school, all of these things, they are snowballing at breakneck speed. We should be 100% desperate to get our children out of this stuff and into the presence of Jesus. I remember embarrassing me so because I don't think anyone should do this. But my little son, who was always so compliant, one day started getting a little bit uncompliant. So I prohibited him from watching Cartoon Network, kiddies program. And his behavior improved. And I thought, that's weird. So I let him watch Cartoon Network again. And within days, he was misbehaving. It's true. It happened. That little bit of influence from the TV screen. What it's doing to our children. How many murders have our children seen by the time they're adults? How many adulterous relationships have our children seen by the time they're adults? How many movies do we sit and watch with them while this one jumps into bed with that one or that one starts whatever they're doing? boys and boys and girls and girls by the time they're adults they are totally desensitized towards all of the stuff unless we intervene friends we need desperate parents and i want to tell you that only jesus has the ability to actually do that which we need him to do in our children's lives the good church is not going to do it it might help the children's church is going to do it, not going to do it. It might help. You might go to a Christian school and that's not going to do it, but it might help. Only Jesus has the ability to do the blessing. But the role of us as parents is to point our children to the feet of Jesus by whatever means possible. We can do lots, but we can't save our children. But Jesus can. So desperate parents are prayerful parents. Desperate parents are intentional parents. We make sure we get them to the feet of Jesus by whatever means we can. Grandparents, I'm speaking to you as well. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Jesus is always the goal in whatever we do. So our children listen to Christian music. They watch Christian television or Christian programs. We prioritize our lives on Sundays. Our children see. We don't look at the weather and say, do we go to worship God today or don't we? Our children see from our example that we are setting the the standard. This is the way to the feet and the arms of Jesus, and I'm desperate about it. Told you a thousand times, we're not here to make our children happy. We're here to see them become holy. This is not about a happy child. It's about a holy child, and let me tell you this truth. A holy child will be a happy child. One of our precious golden years people in the church last week, I saw them calling somebody over to them, scratching around in a handbag. You know what you women are like. There's like the kitchen sink and the only thing you haven't got in there, the tools that we need men when we're fixing something. Everything else is in your handbag. Scratching in the handbag pulls out a sucker for this child. I said, you're giving that little child a sucker? That's nice. And she said to me, she comes to me every week for her sucker. And then she proceeded to give a few more children standing around suckers. And I said, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? That sucker might be the only reason the child comes to church. The only reason. And then one day they respond to the gospel. And then one day they are Saving America from their wickedness. Or stopping South Africa from sliding further into ours. You know, come on. We need to be desperate parents. That child was unrelated to that person completely. But that's somebody who just knew. Just a little act of something can do something to that child. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Amen? Amen. Thank you, my boy. All I need is that. Oh, the batteries and everything is gone. Yes, like Just behave yourself in the pulpit, man. Banging the pulpit around. Battery's gone. Oh, okay, we've got it done. Thank you. Ish. There we go. Question number two. So question number one, are you a desperate parent or are you a disparaging disciple? How many desperate parents have we got? That's every hand should be up now. Otherwise I'm going to start again. The back door, the gate is locked. I'll keep going. There's not one of us who doesn't have influence over a child somewhere. If only in the street or at the shop or somewhere. How much more here at church? Amen. All three of these are pretty similar, but I keep going. Are you a hindrance or a help? When Jesus saw this, the Bible says he was indignant. The word indignant means he was greatly grieved, greatly afflicted. He was angry. He wasn't just naughty disciples, you know. Disciples don't do that. The Bible says he was angry. Deeply, deeply angry, indignant. I mean, the disciples were treating these children as second-class citizens, actually hindering them from coming to Jesus. To hinder means to forbid or prevent or to stop. These disciples were slow learners. It was recently he had told his disciples how precious children are to God. They'd already forgotten In Mark chapter 9, he had told them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Previously, he had warned them in verse 42 if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. That's the punishment. For those who lead little ones astray. On the same occasion in Matthew's account, he warns his disciples See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you, their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Wow! He's angry. He's indignant. Why? Because the disciples are doing exactly the opposite of what he had taught them. They were expected to welcome these children, to receive them, to love them. Instead, they were despising them, turning them away, hindering them. This wasn't right. The kingdom, after all, belonged to them. You can hear Jesus' frustration and anger. Children are not our own. Even your own children are not of your own. God loves them more than we can ever love them. It may be difficult to hear because of how much we love our kids and defend them and champion them and sacrifice for them and all the rest of it. But whatever we do, we do at the end of the day imperfectly. But not God. The children are His. So I want to say the way we treat children can affect our own ability to enter the kingdom. Despising children and ignoring them, I think, is missing the kingdom. There are many ways we hinder them rather than help them, just by the way we act towards them. For example, to fathers, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, fathers, don't exasperate your children. The word exasperate I've mentioned many times. It means don't take the wind out of their sails. Don't blow hot and then blow cold. Don't let them sail on the boat and suddenly they've capsized. Don't exasperate them. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Can, Can you see those words? Training, instruction. Let's not send them to a Christian school and hopefully they'll make it to heaven. Let's not send them to church and hopefully somebody will tell them the truth. Fathers, you train them. You instruct them. You don't stop doing that, ever. Do we discipline our children? Are we so intent on keeping them happy that we don't discipline them? Do we as citizens of the king hinder them by never showing them true consequence of their rebellion and their action? Children by nature are going to go wrong. We all did. We all will. Our father loves us enough to punish us, to discipline us. How much more should we not as fathers who know this great mission, commission that we have? go into all the world and make disciples, starts in our home. It starts with our grandchildren. And for some of you, your great-grandchildren. Are your affections, expectations, and pursuits of Jesus drawing your children to him? Or is your inaction preaching regular sermons that maybe it's not so bad? Then again, do we show mercy, forgiveness, and grace? The Bible tells me that he forgives my sins and remembers them no more. That mean, doesn't mean God's forgotten them. God is omniscient. He can't forget. But he holds them against me no more. And likewise for our children. When they've gone astray, when they've misbehaved, I sought them out in the name of Jesus. But then I love them. In the name of Jesus. He extends to me mercy and grace and forgiveness. Am I doing that to my children? Am I demonstrating trust and faith in Jesus in all circumstances? Am I passing that on to my children? So how do I hinder my children? Am I hindering my children or am I helping them to the cross? The last little thought this morning. Am I needy or proud? I think a primary truth of this passage is crystal clear. He receives the humble and he rejects the proud. He uses children to demonstrate that. But ultimately, that's what we're talking about. You think you're getting into the kingdom because your theology is so good or because you've been a member of the church for so long or because you've been baptized or because you tithe or because you, because you, because you, because you. I'm saying it to you now this morning, beware of this dreadful thing called pride. He receives the humble and he rejects or opposes the pride, the proud. The story immediately after this that I don't think we're going to look at uh, because we looked at a similar one is the story of the rich young ruler. And the message there is clear. You can't enter the kingdom outside of humility and total dependence. Remember the story, this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Key, what's the passage about? Eternal life. So Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God's good. God doesn't answer that. He says you need Jesus said tells him you need to keep the commandments do this he says all those things I've kept since I was young. So Jesus says okay go and sell everything you've got give it to the poor follow me and you'll have eternal life. And the Bible mentions these desperately sad words. It says the young rich young ruler went away sad. See, there was at least one commandment he wasn't keeping, that of idolatry or greed. His money was obviously an idol in his life. He wasn't prepared to humble himself. Jesus says it's impossible, very difficult for a rich man to to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. And the disciples say, how can anybody be saved? And Jesus says, With man, not possible. With God, all things are possible. And the message was this If I do not try to enter the kingdom as a child, in humility, I will never get there. Naked you came, naked you going but the same thing naked you have to enter the kingdom of god jesus lifts up these children as examples of life because they are in the kingdom because they are powerless they are dependent totally dependent just as we should be i am the way jesus said the truth and the life no one comes to the father except by me children have nothing to give they've got everything to receive and this is what we need to be like childlike faith not childish faith like it so often is spoiled brat syndrome I demand that's all these faith teachers that teach all faith and name it and claim it that's not mature faith that is childish faith that is demanding faith Floor moor faith. You know, throw a tantrum faith. I demand. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is humble need before God all the time. Expectant. Dependent. Hopeful. I mean, anyone who has spent in... A couple minutes with a baby or a toddler will know that they are entirely dependent on an adult or someone else for all their needs. Always. This neediness is an earthly depiction, I think, of what it means to be poor in spirit, where Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, your theology is not going to cut it. Your service is not going to cut it. The nay, the date that you wrote in your Bible that you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior is not going to cut it. What's going to cut it is your humble dependence upon the Savior and Him alone. That's why Jesus said in verse 15, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a dependent, needy, expectant, hopefully absolutely useless person without Jesus will never enter it. Kingdom of heaven will never belong to the proud. James 4 says, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the proud humble. The kingdom belongs to those who are poor and dependent in spirit, like children, people who are humble, people who recognize their utter neediness upon their Father in heaven to provide everything for them from their daily bread to their spiritual needs. If you were this little God that the faith teachers try and tell you you are, you wouldn't need a God in heaven. He wouldn't have taught us to pray, give us Today, our daily bread. He wouldn't have told us if anybody wants to come after me, he must deny himself daily, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's total dependence upon God all the time. That's what I am. Without him, I've got nothing. After calling... uh, the children, where am I? Oh, unless you become like little children, Jesus said, you will never enter the kingdom. Therefore, verse 4, whoever humbles himself is the greatest. The proud will never see the kingdom. The proud relies upon his good works, his status in life, his abilities, his comparison with other people. I'm not so bad. Not going to work. After calling the children back to him, scolding his disciples and teaching them that the kingdom belonged to children. I just love the tenderness. Jesus took the little children in his arms. I just love that picture. Here are these religious people. His disciples, not even the Pharisees. His disciples who had been taught the value of children. He puts them in his place. And he takes those little children and he blesses them. Don't know what he says, but I love to think it was the ironic blessing Moses told Aaron and his sons to pronounce this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. I'm sure that's what he said. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And then the verse we often write, we don't think about, verse 27. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. You know, every time you bless a child in the name of Jesus, somehow you put your, his name on them, and he blesses them. When you bless a child, you're blessing him. It's not difficult to imagine him smiling as he held these little ones, needy, teachy, teachy, teachable, completely independent, and humble. So are you in the disparaging disciple camp? Or are you in the desperate parent camp? I pray that God would find desperate parents here today. It's never too late. Children are grown up and gone out and they've had their... Own. It's never too late. Never too late. To be that example. To be that spokesperson. To be that voice. Are you a hindrance? Or are you a help? Are you disciplining? Or are you trying to keep them happy? Are you needy today? Or are you proud? Only the needy will see the kingdom as Jesus demonstrated.